Hey, are you into werewolves, mad scientists, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. You're absolutely right, Gavin. Honorable people can have disagreements. And they should try to work on a compromise. But the compromise I want right now is to start the show, so get back in the booth. Ass. The following podcast contains... Gonna be some profanity coming at you. You bet you have a problem. Your employee here used profanity and threatened me with violence. Objection! These remarks are profane and irrelevant. A profane, obvious, Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you literally got paid in fucking rubles, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, November 3rd, 2017, unfriending Facebook edition of the show, where we talk about the toxic spill of social media in America. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by your friend, Vlad, from school. Remember Vlad? We buds. We may be your friend Vlad on Facebook. Follow Vlad on the Instagram and Twitter thing. Am not Russian bot, swear! Vlad has many interesting things to tell you. Maybe we talk movies, maybe you like politics, we both like. Vlad knows many things about many politics, like Bernie. Vlad like Bernie. Vlad like Trump. He like Trump a lot. Vlad posts many factual things, is promising. You share Vlad's thoughts with other friends, all be friends, right? Just like you be friends with me. Vlad, guy you know long time. Click like on Vlad posting and let everyone know you like me. And what Vlad, your old friend, is thinking. Mr. Zuckerberg, do I have your full attention? No. Do you think I deserve it? What? Do you think I deserve your full attention? I had to swear an oath before we began this deposition and I don't want to perjure myself, so I have a legal obligation to say no. Okay, no. You don't think I deserve your attention? I think if your clients want to sit on my shoulders and call themselves tall, they have a right to give it a try, but there's no requirement that I enjoy sitting here listening to people lie. You have part of my attention. You have the minimum amount. The rest of my attention is back at the offices of Facebook, where my colleagues and I are doing things that no one in this room, including and especially your clients, are intellectually or creatively capable of doing. Did I adequately answer your condescending question? Before I begin tonight, I gotta talk about what happened in New York last Tuesday. Because some dipshit who thinks an invisible sky wizard is a real thing drove a rented truck into a crowd of people on a bike path. This dipshit listened to some other dipshits on the internet who told him this would strike terror into the heart of us infidels. It did not. He killed eight people and injured 12 more. And then do you know what we did? We had a fucking parade. Why? Because we're New Yorkers. Welcome to New York. Go and fuck a dick. That shit may play in other places, but we don't get scared. We mourn for those who died, but we don't get scared. Also, fuck every one of you Trump humpers who are jerking your tiny peen over Muslims. I'm looking at you, Laura Loomer. I'm looking at you. We also don't like tiny-minded dim fucks like you talking for us. There are a lot of Muslims here, and you know what? We love them. We want them here. 
We just fucking hate dipshits who take fake-ass sky wizards seriously, no matter what name they call their fake-ass sky wizard. And now, on with the show. (laughs) What a week! How was everyone's Manafort Monday? Holy shit. It was fucking amazing, right? I mean, they didn't throw the book at Naughty Paul and his boy Gates. They dropped the fucking library on his ass. And then our boy Papadopoulos. Wrong George Papadopoulos there, Gavin, but uh, good pull, buddy. Uh, That was a pretty good pull. That fucker already pled guilty. I mean, seriously, how fucking dumb do you have to be to be told right up front, which they do, that lying to the FBI is in and of itself a crime, and then immediately thereafter lie to the FBI? Dude, did you think they were kidding? You already know you've done some bad shit, and the fucking FBI is interviewing you. Did you think they didn't maybe have a little inkling that you had done bad shit, so you should just lie about it? This is the problem with all of these people in the Trump shit show, it's not just that they're malevolent, corrupt, and disgusting, it's also that they're fucking morons. Honestly, do not know how they managed to actually pull off their little scheme being this dumb, unless they had help. Jeepers! Jinkies! Dang! I still don't have a catchphrase. Maybe they had the most powerful media companies in America giving them a hand. No, not you, Fox News. I mean, yes, definitely you, Fox News. But you guys were intentionally doing that. The people I'm talking about are all in Silicon Valley. Now, we've known for a while now that Russia used social media as one of the myriad ways they fucked with the 2016 election, but this week, we finally saw details on exactly how they did so. And what we saw was, uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't subtle. I I, I guess what I have to ask is, did Putin personally sign the checks to Facebook or, or what? He's not even trying to hide it, bro. The Russians literally, and I mean literally, paid Facebook in fucking rubles. You might think that maybe someone might have looked at hundreds of thousands of dollars in rubles, which is admittedly changed beneath the vending machines at Facebook headquarters that were pouring in from St. Petersburg, Russia, all of which were sponsored political ads and think... Okay, that's strange. What they did instead was deposit the money and go on and find a new way to get people to reveal their most intimate details so they could sell them to other advertisers. And Facebook wasn't even the worst offender. Fuck me. Twitter is a fucking cesspit for Russian bots and trolls spreading propaganda like a cheap hooker spreads the clap on a Vladivostok dock. Okay, very specific. I've led a colorful life. Let's just leave it at that, shall we? From an article in Vice, quote, the number of bots on Twitter runs into the millions. Given that an individual bot action can involve over 100,000 accounts, Ben Nemo, a bot hunter at Atlantic Council, told me, a precise estimate is hard to come by. In March of 2017, one study by researchers at the University of Indiana and the University of Southern California estimated that up to 15% of all Twitter accounts are bots. In September, another study from Rice University put the number at 23% out of a global active user base of approximately 330 million. 
At one point in the summer of 2016, around 17,000 bot accounts were put to work amplifying the Russian election interference, estimated one company with direct access to Twitter data, unquote. Twitter bots are devastatingly effective at spreading bullshit because they do all the work with barely any human interaction. Type your lie and let the bots get it to the people you want to see said lie. The algorithm does the work for you. Big old friendly giant Google also did their part spreading Russian propaganda because you simply cannot internet without Googling. From the New York Times, quote, Using accounts believed to be connected to the Russian government, the agents purchased $4,700 worth of search ads and more traditional display ads. Google found the accounts through its own research information provided by provided by other technology companies. Google found a separate $53,000 worth of ads with political material that were purchased from Russian internet addresses, building addresses, or with Russian currency. This isn't even taking into account the more pernicious gaming of Google. You could just anyone could just fucking. Get Game Google. It's ridiculously simple. After the Las Vegas shooting in last month, Google's search results related to the name of someone misidentified by some alt-right sites as the Las Vegas shooter, prominently displayed as a post from the online forum 4chan after a, a notorious spawning ground for internet hoaxes, which falsely named the individual as the shooter. They were right up there at the top. Also, they promoted alt-right shitposts about the shooting being an ISIS terrorist that stayed up for hours. The entire Google game can be won if you're motivated, and trust me, the Russians are very motivated. But dollar for dollar and bit for bit, Facebook was the player in the Russian propaganda scheme. Research revealed Facebook's ads from Russian agents reached 150 million Americans in the months leading up to the election of our current national disgrace and since then. The ads targeted both sides of the political aisle, often with the same issues. In Texas, Russian ads created a protest against Trump and the counter-protest against the anti-Trump protesters. The ads were not particularly sophisticated or even clever. Many of them, most of them, were painfully obvious. One of the ads getting the most attention features a white Jesus arm rush and a particularly swarthy Satan promising to stop the Hillary Satan from being elected. Who, who would fall for such plain and idiotic bullshit? You know, morons. <laughs> Why Facebook? Because everyone is on Facebook. In the history of human civilization, there has never been a platform as ubiquitous as the Zuckerbergian entity that is Facebook. And the tendrils of the Menlo Park monster thread through every social demographic in American and indeed world society. I felt it everywhere. There are two groups of people who are not on Facebook. Those too old and infirm to log on, and those too young to spell out a username. I mean, sure, there are a few noble souls who eschew Facebook, and they love to let you know, oh, I'm not on Facebook. But you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, anywhere really, just never on Facebook. Except they're lying. No one's on Google+. Twitter is vastly smaller than Facebook because it caters to a narrow demographic of users, primarily those of us who think we're too smart and or clever, and we want to think that we're influencers and, you know, idea people. You smug son of a bitch. 
Facebook has taken the place of the village common, the back fence between neighbors, the local pub, and that corner in high school where you would smoke joints and talk shit. Hell, Facebook has alleviated me of the responsibility of calling my mother once a month because she can clearly see I'm not dead because of my smart-ass post about the president she voted for. Jesus, Dave, drugs would have been better. This is deranged. Quote. I'm not sure Facebook could be taken down even if retried. Whatever you think of Zuckerberg, the thing he created transformed how we communicate for good and for ill. And increasingly, it's making us ill. A study in 2016 found that, quote, only 9% of Facebook users' activities involve communicating with others. Instead, most users consume random pieces of content. And researchers found that passively consuming information isn't fulfilling or satisfying. Study participants experienced a sharp decline in their moods after scrolling through Facebook. Interestingly, they didn't experience the same emotional decline when they just surfed the internet. The toll on mental health was unique to Facebook. Through a series of studies, researchers concluded that by the time people log off of Facebook, they feel like they've wasted their time. Their remorse over being unproductive causes them to feel sad. And that was, that was done before the election. These days, I log on to Facebook, spend the next 20 minutes smashing down some bullshit propaganda nonsense posted by people that I cannot unfriend or unfollow because they're blood related to me and I actually do care if they live or die, even if I want, ever want to speak with them again. So by by the time that I am done with that 20 minutes, I fucking hate myself. Oh, I thought back in the days I was having cyber sex on Prodigy Chat was as bad as I could ever feel about anything I could do on the internet. But apparently I was wrong. Facebook and the other media entities, Google and Twitter, like to tell us there was no way they could have seen this coming. And they are working hard to deal with the situation. But we've been talking about this problem for at least the past five years. When we first logged on to Facebook, we saw messages from our friends and family. The content was from people we knew and wanted to interact with. But rapidly, by 2012... It is a barren wasteland. Every third post is an advertisement for something you accidentally clicked after drinking half a bottle of Jameson's. I want to make this perfectly clear. I don't want a mail-order Ukrainian bride, so stop offering me one, Mark Zuckerberg. And after that, it's a wall of sponsored content, like a page for some dick nozzle created to support his low-rated podcast or an event to get people to come out and protest something that he'd never heard of and I'm fairly sure isn't even a thing to begin with. No one is trying to deport third-generation Armenian whales with American last names. Combine that with the incessant bickering over politics or social movements, and Facebook has done more to make us hate our fellow Americans' fucking guts than anything since the Civil War. When they write the history of how the second Civil War began, it will start, well, my Uncle Ted, that fucking Nazi, shared a Russian shitpost about, about President Dwayne The Rock Johnson coming to take our iPhones, and then all hell just broke loose. Now, Jimmy, throw another empty iPhone on the fire. It started to get cold in here. The big three, Google, Facebook, and Twitter, who make their money putting eyes on ads, aren't going to do anything about it because they know these shit posts generate clicks, which generates revenue. It's not the revenue from the actual post. That's actually nothing, but it's the ads they can sell along with those posts that pour money into their pockets like a rapper pours champagne into a stripper's vagina. Woo! <laughs> 
That's cold. <laughs> they make noises about instituting systems to prevent this from happening again, all the while leaving holes that are in the system that are big enough for Gavin to walk through in his winter coat. You're a tubby man, Gavin. Stop drinking so much Mountain Dew. Because the outrage, the fury, is where the money's at. They piously proclaim they are not media companies. They don't create the content we consume. They're the road, not the cars. And they're definitely not the drivers. What a load of shit. Their business model is no different than any other media company. They need eyes on their product and they don't care for things like truth or even reality getting in their way. The Russian problem on Facebook is not new in the world. Publishers, and Facebook is a publisher, have long allowed content they know to be false or disruptive on their pages because they know that content sells. And that brings me to our way back. Our way back this week finds us on the streets of New York City, August 25th, 1835, where the citizens of this great city picked up the newspaper. The newspaper had been around for a long time, but technology had recently changed, and where once the, the printed word was the province of the educated elite and, a co and cost commensurately, breakthroughs had dropped the prices to the point where a publisher couldn't make money on the masses in the penny press. The latest penny press was the Sun of New York, and the Sun was trying something new. They made their money not just on subscription or street sales, the Sun sold advertisements. And the Sun printed stories that other papers found too base to publish. Crimes, gossips, deaths. The Sun was the progenitor of tabloids, and it was paying damn well. On that August morning, the readers of the Sun were stunned, stunned, I tell you, to read an article detailing the wonders discovered by an, an astronomer, Sir John Herschel, using his marvelous telescope. The articles detail the wonder of this invention, its ability to bring the stars down to Earth for us to see, and to quote the article from the Sun, to render our enthusiasm intelligible, we will state at once that by means of a telescope of vast dimensions and an entirely new principle, this younger Herschel as it is, as, at his observatory in the Southern Hemisphere has already made a most extraordinary discovery in every planet of our solar system. He has discovered moons in other solar systems and has obtained a distinct view of objects in the moon fully equal to that which the naked eye commands of terrestrial objects at the distance of a hundred yards. He has affirmatively settled the question whether or not that satellite, the moon, is inhabited. Wait, 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 what? Why, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Sir Herschel had by his marvelous new invention witnessed the very residence of our own moon. The author of the article buried in that one-line revelation, Life on the Moon. Of course, that article was not complete and would be continued over the next few days and people would line the fuck up for the next issue of The Sun. And the people were not disappointed. Again, from The Sun, the moon was profusely covered with dark red flowers, precisely similar, says Dr. Grant, to the papaver rovius or rose poppies of our sublunary cornfields. And this was the first organic production of nature in a foreign world ever revealed to the eyes of men. 
But wait, I hear you say, what about animals? Well, a species of gray pelican was the most numerous, but a black and white crane with unreasonably long legs and bill were also quite common. We watched their piscivarious experiments for a long time in hopes of catching sight of a lunar fish. And although we were not gratified in this respect, we could easily guess the purpose for which they plunged their long necks deeply beneath the water. Day two ended with a tantalizing hint of what part three and subsequent parts would bring, and the city lost they damn minds. Over the next few days, the entire flora and fauna of the moon would be detailed. Fantastic animals on the moon, including bison, goats, unicorns, bipedal, bipedal tailless beavers, and bat-winged humanoids. They called them Vespiratillo Homo, and those Vespiratillo Homo bat-wings built temples. It was all written in ornate prose of the times, detailing fantastic civilizations on the moon. The story spread not just through New York, but throughout the entire United States of America. Via the telegraph to other penny presses, it was the first viral story of entirely American origin. The first viral story is that Jesus thing, but again, we're not supposed to talk about that. The nation was transfixed by the moon story. Well, except for the publishers of the other New York papers, who immediately suspected the sun, just made the whole fucking thing up. Which, uh, by the way, you know, if you're a regular consumer of Fox News or you get your news from Facebook, they made it up. There is no fucking life on the moon. Despite what Alex Jones might tell you, the New York Herald, another big penny press, was digging furiously into the story to debunk it, but it was a staid and traditional journal of commerce, a stodgy trade paper, that first publicly called bullshit on the sun. Quote, there is no doubt, but the article was manufactured in this country, and it belongs to the same school as Robinson Crusoe and Gulliver's Travels. But the Herald followed up with a sprawling expose on exactly how the hoax was staged. Quote, the town has been agape two or three days of the very ingenious astronomical hopes. And then he revealed a glaring mistake that revealed the whole thing to be a hoax. The narrative had supposedly been published in Edinburgh in the Journal of Science, but Bennett, the publisher of the Herald, pointed out no work of that kind is being published. A few years ago, there was such a work, but it merged into another journal published in London. The Herald found that Sun editor Benjamin Day hired a writer by the name of Richard Adams Locke, whom the Herald suspected of being the true author rather than the purported science, which saw all this bullshit through the telescope. Editor Day of the Sun denied, denied everything that came out of the Herald and launched a war between the papers, which was Surprise! very lucrative for both papers. Over the next few weeks, a battle of words raged between the Sun and the Herald. Locke and Day refused to admit that the lunar narrative was a hoax. Even by late September, when the mails from Europe had confirmed that the narrative was pure fiction, the two men maintained their innocence. This infuriated Bennett, who took every opportunity he could to find and go to ridicule Locke in an attempt to get him to lose his composure and confess. And finally, the truth came out. Locke confessed but not to write in a fiction for the sake of sales, 
but rather Locke explained that he had intended the lunar narrative to be a satire, not a hoax at all, and that the object of his satire was the unchecked influence of religion upon science. No matter what, the great moon hoax made a lot of money, not just for the sun, but for newspapers in general. The endless churn of articles, the search for truth, and then the true authors, and finally the confessions sold papers. It didn't even destroy the sun. In fact, the sun went on to be one of the, the premier papers of New York City, part of the legacy of New York media that had such a huge impact on our culture today. The sun was the one that told Virginia, yes, there is a Santa Claus, and an editor of the Sun gave us the immortal quote, when a dog bites a man, that's not news, because it happens every so often, but if a man bites a dog, that is news. The Sun even hired one of the very first female editors in the United States, and the very first female editor of a major daily newspaper. All because it was successful, because it published some bullshit, that made people buy papers. And that is why Facebook will never really crack down on bullshit. It's part of the business model. At best, it will make some token changes that can rapidly be exploited by the next wave of con artists and influence meddlers. The same goes for Google and Twitter. It's why Twitter won't really get rid of Nazis and rape-threatening douchebags. It makes you people pay attention. The entire social media system isn't broken. That's how it was designed. How it was always designed. Anyone who says differently is selling something. And what they are selling is you. You are the product, you are on sale, and you are on a bargain price every single goddamn day. They sell your information to the highest bidder, and they sell your attention to anyone with a couple of bucks in their pocket. They will even help you find the right person to sell your bullshit to. You want to find a white middle-aged racist in Mississippi? Well, that's a bad example. You can just open your door and look out and they're right there. But if you want to find a white middle-aged racist in Mississippi who listens to polka music, wears only desert camo, and secretly watches gay porn every single goddamn night, Facebook will help you find that guy for just a small fee. Everything is for sale. The truth is unimportant. And all that matters is that money changes hands and the hands keep changing money. Facebook is not your friend. Google is evil. And Twitter is a self-admitted shithole full of rapist Nazis. Welcome to 2017 and welcome to the future. You will always have the choice to turn it off, all of it, because that's the only way to escape this. Or you can go, and then you can go back to the way it was in the dark ages of 1993 when you had to handwrite thank you letters and eventually call your mother. <laughs> no, no, God, no. So you better start learning to live with it. Because, like with everything else involved in capitalism, the work is going to fall back on us. We have to be the ones to sort and filter the bullshit from the truth and teach the next generation how that's done. We need to learn to identify when someone is trying to sell us something so patently idiotic it can only be propaganda, and when something is just plain old-fashioned normal America insanity. We, and I know this is going to be a problem for most Americans, are going to have to learn to think for ourselves. That's outrageous.
Well, it's either that or sell the whole country to the Russians and the Trump evangelical morons who believe Jesus is arm wrestling and the devil for the soul of the country. And none of this absolves the companies of their responsibility. They knew they were selling the Russians ad space to pollute the political environment. And everyone wants to blame the media for Trump. Well, hey, pod friends, now you can. Because the big three need to admit they are media companies or get the fuck out of the media business. They need to implement transparency on all their advertising, not just the politicals. They created a fucking social network where a billion people can log on a day. They sure as fuck can put a caveat on Russian propaganda shitpost or just shitpost in general. Not that any of this will change the underlying problem, the engine that drives America, because in their hearts, the people that supported Trump are vile, evil, racist shitbags. And yes, I know who I'm saying that about. I am sick and tired of their righteous indignation and their faux outrage when I say it. The reason Russian propaganda worked is because you fucking shitbag believed what it said. You clicked it like rats stimulating a pleasure center and then you spewed that hate out into the world to your vile racist shitbag friends and to offend those of us decent people who found it disgusting and frankly un-American. Trump is president not because the Russians shit in our electoral pool, because the electoral pool was already filled with turds and you put them there. The apple pie Americans. All the Russians did was pull the gloves off and put out what you've always been thinking. All that shit, just like the shit stain currently residing at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Americans are fucking morons. And in some ways, in some ways, we got exactly what we deserve. But God damn, Facebook and the rest of Silicon Valley, you gotta do something. People should know where their bullshit is coming from. If I'm going to be propagandized, give me good old-fashioned American propaganda, just like the founders intended when they hired people to write fucking scurrilous stories about the political adversaries in early newspapers. And if Silicon Valley won't do it on their own, mark my words, eventually we liberals will get power again and we will pass laws forcing you to do this and ours will be way more draconian than anything you would do on your own. So Zuckerberg, it's your move. And as far as our move, fuck, we all know we want to quit Facebook. We all know we want to get off social media. But it's like our relationship with that gay cowboy. We just don't know how to quit it. And I want to be done with it. I want to be the sort of person to say, I'm not on Facebook or any other social media. I'll tell you this, I really don't want to go back to calling my mother once a month. That is it for our show this week. Now comes the part of the show where I hypocritically tell you to follow me on social media at the hell underscore podcast on Twitter, or the show name on Facebook, because how the fuck else am I, are you supposed to hear my dick jokes throughout the week? It's not like I can call you individually. Well, actually, there are so few listeners that I could maybe call you individually. But you know what you tiny few, you brand of brothers could do? You could just rate and review the show on iTunes so I can call even more people with my dick jokes all week long. All the shows are at the show name on SoundCloud and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Dave Bledsoe, producer Gavin on Twitter, and all the other fictional Google Pluses on this show, we want to say... We don't actually look up the lyrics of this song. We just thought it was funny. So we'll see you all 
next week. Gunfriend. friend.